Hey, this is Adam Kidwitz, and you are listening to The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. down the 28 8k modem uh, you know internet rabbit hole the slowest rabbit hole you can think <laughs> of you know reading basic html websites um with uh you know like a construction loading gifts saying oh this website's not done yet you know written by crackpots across the globe um you know saying oh well did you know that in walmart if you listen to the music backwards it says pay more the whole thing conspiracy <laughs> Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. Welcome to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. I am Justin Connors at 140 Justin C, just so you can follow me on Twitter right away. Go do it. <laughs> so eager. <laughs> so eager. Don't yeah. even put the show's address up top. You put your own. No, yeah, I'm I'm totally in it for me. Uh, mm-hmm. My YouTube channel, go to my YouTube. No, just... <laughs> but yeah, we're... You know, I'm really liking the flow of our podcast, and the le- it feels like we're starting to hit a stride with it, and I hope that everyone agrees with that. I hope you do too, Jamie, because, you know, if you don't, then we're kind of in trouble. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm going to really disagree with you at this point, <laughs> publicly at least. And it's really cool how, you know, when we first started doing this thing, we talked about it, and I remember Jamie and I really, we met online during the monthly panel search for Disney. And we we kind of floating ideas back and forth. And I don't think we ever would have thought that it would become an interview interview type show. I don't know if that was something that you were thinking. I know I know no, I wasn't. It was and I'm loving it. I didn't I didn't think that, you know, I never would have thought I'd be into something like that, but I am totally. And the people we are getting to meet and interview are spectacular. And this week is just another example. Absolutely. Um and again, I know we, we've fallen into the trap of saying like, oh, this is yeah. the best interview ever um, because, you know, we we're so fresh in these interviews. And it's for us as fans of so much of this, um, it really is just phenomenal to be able to talk to, you know, most of these people who have such a deep involvement and in, in, in deep um, creative background and in, in hand in, in creating these things and bringing them to life, whether it's a, a television show or a film or a book or a comic or what have you. Um, it's just, it's, it's incredibly insightful to sort of pick their brain and see where they come from, what they do, why they do what they do and where we're going from here. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we, we mentioned this a little bit at the beginning of the interview that's coming up, but it's, you know, w- there's a couple things that we're not as a podcast that other podcasts clearly are like, we don't do news. We don't do breaking news. You know, we're not that kind of a show. We also don't really sort of dig into the minutia of, of something. So, um, you know, if we're going to talk to a, 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 you know, we, we had Sasha Palladino on and we talked about his creative process for miles from Tomorrowland and his previous shows. And we talked about, you know, what he brings to the show and the scientific perspective and all of that. We don't really necessarily talk about why did you have this character do that? Or why did you, you know, in, in episode five, the storyline takes a sharp left turn. You know, I'll leave that to the, you know, the bigger geeks online. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> this show really is about sort of diving in headstrong, headfirst into the creative process and 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 finding out how these things come to be that we love. Uh, and right, yeah, I I completely agree with you. We're not we're not the people at the con that ask in episode three hundred and two when right. James talked to Joan. What were you thinking? Yeah, <laughs> you know. What yeah, I mean? exactly. Like, and this week we are interviewing someone that I think a lot of people are going to be super excited about. Um, creator of the show Gravity Falls, Alex Hirsch. And I know a lot of people are big fans of this. Jamie, you were saying at the Comic-Con his panel was pretty huge. It was. you know, And there are – it probably was not put in a big enough room, but it, it, it filled up real fast. I couldn't get in. Um, there were uh, there were a lot of unhappy looking faces outside, um, but yeah, the, the show has a is a rabid following, um, and rightfully so. It's a fantastic show. Um, Alex Hirsch created the show. He is very much involved as one of the writers and producers of the show. He also does a number of the uh, voices himself. He's Grunkle Stan. He's Seuss. He's Bill Cipher. He's a bunch of other characters. Um, and he's just an all around fantastically great guy. And this is just, this was a really fun conversation. So we're going to go and we're going to play that interview for you. I hope you enjoy it. So obviously we're going to be talking about Gravity Falls. Um, and I know that the show was originally, um, you, you took all, all, most of the inspiration for the show from you and your sister's childhood experiences. Um, yeah, you've done your homework. That's I've correct. done a little bit. <laughs> um, and I know that Dipper and Mabel are somewhat based on the two of you, or at least they were at the beginning. And I'm wondering how much of your own life made it into the show and continues to make it onto the show. Um, that's, that's a really cool question. I've never been asked that before. Um, I mean, I think, you know, when you're creating TV characters, you're sort of, you're using uh, experience that you've had as a jumping off point. Um, I used to say, oh, Dipper and Mabel are based on me and my twin. And then I realized after enough interviews, that's kind of misleading. Inspired by is a better way to put it because there was sort of, you know, I feel like I am as much Dipper as I am Mabel, as I am Grunkle Stan, as I am Waddle the Pig, you know, like right. there is a serious side of me and a silly side and a cantankerous side and a side that just wants to lie on the floor. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, like in terms of, you know, direct experience, I think, you know, Dipper, Dipper's perspective um, in the show as someone who, who wants to be taken seriously, who feels like he hates being looked at as a kid. Um, he wants to, he wants adults to treat him with respect. He wants people to believe his theories and what he has to say. Um, he feels constantly foiled by being trapped in this stupid, poorly little kid body, uh, by being the short little nobody. Um, that, that's really what it felt for me when I was, you know, sixth or seventh grade. Um, like I, I sort of felt like this little pest underfoot that nobody really believed in. And I had so much to say and so many big ideas and things that I saw that others didn't see. Um, and so that, that perspective is definitely inspired by me. I think the biggest difference between me and Dipper is that Dipper actually has a lot more courage, uh, um, than, than I did at that age. Um, you know, his, you know, I had a, I had a crush on a girl. I had my own personal Wendy when I was his age, but mm -hmm. my plan wasn't to, uh, try to connive a way to talk her into dancing with me. My plan was to stay as far away from her as possible exactly. and just breathe into a bag. Um, you know, uh, we, when we first started writing the show, I, I tried to write him as neurotic as I was and realized that nothing would ever happen. So he needed to be a bit more naive, a bit more foolhardy, and a bit more ignorantly brave than I was in order for the story to move forward. Um, you know, uh, that, that's, if you're trapped in the cage of just trying to write yourself, 
there's something that Larry David often says when he talks about Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is that, you know, that this character or George is him if he actually did the things he was thinking about. Yeah. Um, and I think Dipper, Dipper does, Dipper actually goes for the things he wants in a way that I never would have had the balls to do when I was his age. So you provide a, a lot of the voices for a number of characters. Was this the plan mm-hmm. all along or was it more of an act of necessity? Um, you know, it, it sort of was a discovery. I mean, I've always done annoying voices my entire life, but no one paid me to do them before. Um, <laughs> I, I think, uh, the, the characters who I voice on the show primarily are characters inspired by people who I knew in real life. So Grunkle Stan is inspired by my grandpa Stan. Um, Seuss, uh, is, is based on a college friend I had, Hey Seuss. And with those characters, I found that when I pitched the episodes and pitched the storyboards to the executives, I naturally did these voices of these of these people that I knew, and when it actually came time to produce the series and really, you know, record it for real, I just felt like there's a there's a timing and a tempo and a perspective here um, that that I know how to write for, and uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, as the series has progressed, I've done a number of weird voices. Occasionally, it'll be something that I think, hey, that would be fun to try. Other times, we're just way behind, and someone needs to voice no number seven, so that's me. Um, but uh, it, it's been uh, a lot of fun. I'm very grateful that Disney has let me indulge in my stupid fantasy of doing as many voices as I feel like. Do you ever, as you're writing episodes and you're writing scripts, do you ever like you know just get a line out and be like, I have to say this. This cannot go to anybody else but me. <laughs> Um, every now and then. I mean, I, I will say that as the series progressed, um, I've, I've tried to incorporate as many guest stars as I can because, uh, you know, I, 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 I do have a limited range. There's only, <laughs> only so many voices I have in my repertoire, and it's always exciting to work with new talent. Excellent. Uh, have you always had an interest in ciphers and secret codes and sort of the stuff that oh, underlies this? Oh, hell yeah. No, <laughs> definitely. Um, like, that, that is one thing that was very true to life. Like, when I was Dipper's age, like, I became really obsessed with this idea. I don't know how it happened. I did a report on subliminal messages. Like they said, like, you can do a report on anything you want. We're just learning how paragraph structures work. And other kids wrote about ponies in World War II. And I have no idea where I got the idea to do a subliminal message report. And so, I, you know, I went down on the 28AK modem, uh, you know, internet rabbit hole, the slowest rabbit hole you can think of, you know what I mean? Like at the time, like, yeah. uh, you know, trying to research what I could learn about this and, you know, reading basic HTML websites um, with, uh, you know, like uh, construction loading gifts saying, oh, this website's not done yet, you know, written by crackpots across the globe, um, you know, saying, oh, well, did you know that in Walmart, if you listen to the music backwards, it says pay more, the whole thing, conspiracy. And, you know, I, 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 I sourced all these terrible websites in my report. Like, you know, I was 11 years old. Um, like, I've always had an interest in the idea that there are, that there's, there's hidden text. I mean, just, you know, when you're a kid and you first notice um, uh, uh, just like nutrition facts and stuff, mm-hmm. and you realize like, mm, I love these delicious uh, shark, shark fruit snacks. Hey, they have 9,000 chemicals. I've never heard <laughs> in them written in the tiniest font imaginable. Like, you just start to wonder about the hidden side of everything. Oh yeah. Um, and so it, it was always kind of a thought of mine that if I ever had a chance to make a TV show, you know, one of the things I remember reading when I was a kid obsessed with subliminal messages is there was, um, there was a lot of, there's a lot of crackpot theories about it. You know, the Illuminati controls the media and uh, even kids shows, they have triangles in them. They're trying to make people get ready for the second coming. Yeah, I've heard that you're, you're corrupting oh, the youth, aren't you? 
Well, what I'm doing is I'm I'm making these crackpots correct. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm retroactively proving them right. Um, you know, there's some guy somewhere watching his TV who has been, you know, just typing these paranoid delusions for decades. Now, finally, it's true. Yeah. And he probably either feels a sense of vindication or a sense of like <laughs> loss. Like, what's the point? It's so obvious now. I don't even need to write my, you know, backwards, uh, you know, letters to the president anymore. It's everyone can see it. Um, like, you know, like it's a, a lot of this was just a, wouldn't it be fun to make, make false conspiracy theories come to life? You know what I mean? Yeah. And now there's 11 year olds across the country sourcing you. Yeah, that's right. So <laughs> I've, I've made an army of little dippers just like me. Excellent. So before Gravity Falls, you worked on the marvelous misadventures of Flapjack for Cartoon Network and Fish Hooks yes. for Disney. Um, what other, what kind of jobs have you had outside the animation industry? Uh, none. I, I I know nothing about the real world. <laughs> I've, I've I, literally I am this weird cartoon man child who's only lived in this sort of strange, uh, prolonged adolescence of the animation industry since I graduated college. Um, I was very fortunate to um, enter the industry at a time where there was just a lot of demand for jobs. Um, and even though I was green, I, I've always had a lot of ideas. Um, and so I, I was a, I was lucky enough to work on some of those shows. But I mean, it's true. Like I sometimes feel like I missed out. You know, I went to I went to CalArts, which you know me and a lot of my friends refer to somewhat lovingly as Cartoon College. I mean, what people imagine as a cartoon as a college experience, the idea of you know uh, a million you know, classes and frats and hazing and, uh, you know, you got your improv class and you got like all the things that people imagine when they think of a college experience, like basically non-existent at CalArts. Like <laughs> it was working on animation 24 um, seven. It was an art school. So there's multiple disciplines, animation department, uh, film department, dance department, acting department, and all the other departments basically got drunk and partied all the time. <laughs> the animation nerds were just these utter squares, just, you know, all, just pretty much an army of just like super white bread wearing cargo shorts and writing with, you know, and, and, and obsessing over Disney minutia and just hiding out and being sober and working all the time. Um, so I kind of went straight from that into the industry. So like, you know, like stories of horrible jobs, stories of like college experiences. I kind of don't have those. I have, hey, remember that time my pencil broke? Yeah, and I sharpened it. Boy, you had to be there. Um, like, uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm sort of trying to create a new life by imagining it through animation. But, uh, you know, once Gravity Falls is over, I should probably, I don't know, do like a Billy Madison and do school over again. Yeah, or you should just go. I, I, really, I really don't know what normal human life is supposed to be like. Go back to some like major party school. Yeah, exactly. Just, you know, like uh, put on a fake podcast and start over. Get a uh, job. Well, working, I mean, you get a, I was just gonna say, sorry, get a job working Applebee's for a little while. See what that's like. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Like, um, and just hope there's no 11 year old who recognizes me. That I have to shush them. And it started to happen. Like, it started to get to the point where, like, if I'm in a comic shop somebody is going to be kind of following me from a distance and muttering to their friend. Like yeah. it, it, it's just reached that point now where for whatever reason, gravity falls has reached a, a level of, of notoriety that, uh, you know, if, if I'm in a normal place, no one knows who I am, but if I'm in a highly nerd dense area, somebody will recognize me and take a picture of me. Do you, don't you think that that's weird? Not weird, but like, you know, 20 years ago, nobody knew what the, the people who created the, the cartoons, nobody knew what they looked like. You know, they were completely totally anonymous. 
it's a totally different culture. And, and it, and, you know, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, on the one hand, it's great because, you know, if fans can interact with me, that means they can send me the, you know, the amazing fan art and creations. People get tattoos of these characters. You know, if, if it wasn't for the internet, I'd never see that stuff. I'd never even know how many people were watching or who was, you know? So that's, that's awesome. The, the sort of the flip side of it is I, I went to a convention in Mexico recently. Um, and apparently I am like a rock star in Mexico. I think for, for some reason, uh, you know, Gravity Falls is not on Netflix in America. I think it should be. I don't know why it isn't. Um, but it's on Netflix in Latin America. About half the tweets I receive are in Spanish. And when I was asked to go to this Mexican convention, I thought that would be fun. And I literally had to have five people making a human shield around me as I entered to the convention because the crowds were they were manic. I mean, you know, they were grabbing and they were throw, they were physically throwing gifts at me, which it's cool to get a gift, but it's not cool to have it thrown at your head. Like it was very much like, oh, this is what enthusiasm looks like dialed up to an 11. And it got a little claustrophobic. Like they kind of followed me back to the hotel, back to, um, you know, like the restaurant. Um, like there was a kid who like climbed into our van as we were trying to get to the airport just like hey can i show you my fan art and like we had a guy physically pick him up and put him down and close the van door um wow. like it was a little bit like world war z with fans um <laughs> like and it, it definitely made me realize like i'm glad i'm not real famous like yeah. like that would be a nightmare like here in america i am just the right amount where i get to have people who appreciate my work communicate with me and i get to know where they are and wave and shake their hands every now and then but normally i can just be a normal person and uh, just avoid, I guess, uh, the southern hemisphere completely for a while. <laughs> well, when when you were that nerd at CalArts, you know, you know, breaking your pencil and completely sober, did you ever in your wildest dreams think that you would have an experience like that, though? Not like that, no. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think I always, I always wanted to make work that resonated with people, and I'm so so lucky that that happened. Um, it never occurred to me that through that there would be an aspect of what you could describe in a tiny baby way as celebrity. Um, and like I said, it's been occasionally fun and occasionally a little daunting. Um, you know, the, the best thing that comes from that reach is, you know, if you, if you cast a big net, you're going to catch some interesting fish. And I've met, I've met some heroes through the show. Like I've had people who I'm a fan of, turns out they're a fan of me and I wouldn't get to meet them if it wasn't for social media, if it wasn't for Twitter, if it wasn't for that, that that level of access that now cuts both ways that never used to exist before. Yeah. Um, when you started Gravity Falls, I know you didn't know how long the show was going to be able to go. Um, you thought, you know, maybe yeah. one one season might might be it. That's all. This is our only shot. So you, I, I know you crammed a lot into into that first season. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I'm wondering, does the show's success now free up any of your storytelling possibilities or, you know, likewise, do you also find yourself regretting some of the things that you included in the first season? Like you wish you had held on to them? Um, I mean, I, you know, the concept of the series was always designed to be something with a beginning, middle and an end. Mm -hmm. Um, it was always meant to be one finite story. Um, it was designed to be a mystery, um, with kind of one particular, one particular set of answers and one particular trajectory of sort of storytelling. Um, so I, I, I always kind of, I always had a, a picture in my head of how long I wanted it to go more or less and, and what the story I, I wanted to tell. Um, like I do, I do definitely. And I think any, any artist you ask um, will probably answer the same, you know, obviously 
I have regrets in terms of like there's episodes I love, there's episodes I can't stand. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yeah. it's less about, oh, I wish we had held on to that or I wish we had done that later and more about you kind of never know what you have until you're done with it. Um, you know, like once the episode is finished, once the final sound mixes in, once the animation is done, and once I finally, once it's finally too late to change anything, that's the first time I really get to see it as a whole. And once I do, I'm often like, oh, geez, yeah, your whole second act would have been better if we moved this around too late now. Right, right, you know, right. Um, like so- the, the exciting thing about TV is, Every time you make an episode, if you hate it, hey, you've got another one coming right down the pike. So here's your chance to do a better job. Um, you never get that perfect polish that you get in features. Um, and that's sort of just a, a constant uh, tension you have to live with, you know? Yeah. You mentioned that you had a, you know, a planned out beginning, a middle and an end, or at least, a, you know, roughly. Uh, do you think that you'll know when you reach that end? Or is there a fear that you might, you know, sort of go off the deep end and end up something like the X-Files that outlast its creativity? Uh, I definitely know. Um, I'm, it's something that I'm not really supposed to comment on. Um, but like, I, I, I know what the plan is and, and what the end game is. Um, and, uh, when it happens, fans will know it as well. Um, but, uh, it's, it's, I mean, like I said, you know, this, this was designed to be finite. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't stretch it. I wouldn't stretch it past, uh, past its purpose. Um, not because I don't think that these characters, you know, I think these characters are great enough that, you know, that, that they could tell a million stories, but, but their world wasn't designed for a million stories. Their world was designed for the particular story that we're telling. Um, you know, once, once the story of Gravity Falls proper is complete, you know, it, it's possible that, that we will explore these characters in, who knows, a, a Christmas special or something. But um, by and large, there is one beginning, middle, end planned out. Um, and uh, I'm, probably going to stick to it so your show has an incredibly sense of sorry an incredible sense of humor sharp sense of humor it can go toe-to-toe with any almost any other show on tv really do you find that because it's animation it's still considered that the animation as a as a whole is still considered second rate among critics and mainstream um i mean i I think i think tv tv at large used to be considered a second-rate medium, and we're so lucky to be living in a time where that assumption has been flipped on its head. Um, there has been so much great TV, you know, just in the past eight years um, that, you know, people, we now understand TV as a place to get sophisticated, surprising stories that pay off their characters, mm-hmm. and we sort of understand the movies as a place to get a dumb escape half the time. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the the... the, the, the I feel like like the TV as a medium has 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 opened up so many opportunities, um, and I think animation as well. Um, you know, I, I think I, I've been very very lucky, and I'll say this: you know, making a making a show. I, I think the biggest stigma is not on animation. I think the biggest stigma is not television. I think the biggest stigma for critics is about something that is seen as being aimed at children. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where you're least likely to be taken seriously or or least likely to be seen as something worthy of, 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 of consideration. Um, but again, I find that changing, you know, yeah. we've been really fortunate to have really great reviews. Um, and I never in my you know, wildest dreams anticipated that, that any adult audience members would ever take the show as seriously as we, the writers did. And mm-hmm. to discover that that's the case has been enormously validating. Um, you know, I just feel like a lot of that has to do with like the climate. Like there's been so many great shows, you know, so there's so much great animation out there right now that like people are looking for this kind of content now. 
and and you can't like just the box offices alone even in in the film industry you know animation movies are always some of the killers every year so I, hopefully yeah yeah i mean everyone understands animation as a huge huge money maker so yeah. um like it, it's 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 a force to be reckoned with you know the show um because of the mysteries that are involved, the show has a really rabid fan base that dive really headlong into all the, the mythology. And it, it, it's something like we haven't seen since the day, like the the early days of Lost with people online, you know, just like thinking about, mm-hmm. you know, what clues did you find and trying to put the, the puzzles together. Do you ever follow along with those? Like any of the theories online or sort of like dive into Oh, the- yeah, yeah. We love it. I mean, it, it's super fun for us as writers to see. I mean, you... You, you want to know where your audience's head is at because your job, if you're creating a mystery, is to, is to create all the pieces they need to answer the question, but arrange them in such a way that it's unlikely they'd come to the same conclusion that you would. Um, and so it's, it's a fantastic tool to be able to see like what's working, what isn't working, what are people guessing wrong, what are they guessing right. Um, so like we, we definitely didn't want to, you know, you can there's two different ways you can run a long running mystery series. You can have a plan and change it. If people guess it, or you can have a plan and stick to it. If people mm-hmm. guess it, mm-hmm. um, we were the second category. We said, you know, look, if people completely figured out what we're up to and, and they did early, um, you know, a number of them did, we're not going to change it because this story we're telling is the one that's true to our characters. You know, our, our primary goal isn't to trick or fool people. Our, our primary goal is to uh, satisfyingly uh, pay off, um, these answers and to be true to our character's motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, so while it's awesome that there is a, an aura of mystery and that there's questions to be answered, you know, if somebody figures that out, like we're not frustrated. We're like, that's impressive of them. Yeah. They're going to keep telling this story, you know? Yeah. Um, like, uh, but it's, it's, I mean, I'm, I, I thank God for the internet because if it wasn't there, we, we would have no idea just how engaged fans are. And the more, the more minutia they search for, the more we add. Um, you know, there's there's nothing so hidden that they won't find it. And it continuously is a challenge for us to try to think of anything that will at least take them half an hour to, to crack. Um, usually 10 minutes after every episode, any code we've hidden has been found. Immediately. Um, that yeah, is the Internet's a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. So do you have so, any do you have any favorite crazy fan theories? Fan theories. Um, I mean, I always like. uh <laughs> I mean, often, often fan theories frustrate me because I'm just like, there's a number of theories that so directly fly in the face of the spirit of the type of show we are. Yeah. Like people will get really, really behind something that I'm just like, you haven't been watching Gravity Falls. Like, like it's not crazy to imagine that a character is a vampire, but it is crazy to imagine that a character we love would actually be evil because we love that character. You, right. you know what I mean? Right. Like there's just, there's certain theories that I'm just like that, that defeats the motivation of our characters. Like they understand conspiracy math, but they don't understand motivation. Like, like plot math, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I'm just like that. Those are the theories that frustrate me. I'm like, how could anyone believe that we would, you know, break our character's perspective like this? Like there was a lot of theories that Dipper was going to turn evil. Uh-huh. Um, ever since, ever since Dipper shook hands with Bill, there's, and just infinite theories that like oh dipper's going to be evil and him and bill are going to get in cahoots because because uh mabel chose uh stan over him in the events of not what he seems and now dipper's going to be so emo and dark he's going to turn into dark emo dipper and he's going to wear a black trench coat and him and bill are going to go to hot topic together and i'm just like no like 
that's stupid. Like, Dipper <laughs> is a sweet, naive kid. Like, yeah. he knows Bill is evil. Like, Bill tricked him. Like, no matter how bad a day Dipper has, no matter, you know, how much rains on his parade, he's not going to be like, okay, Bill, like, yeah. uh, you're, <laughs> you're me. Right. Let's go. Let's go become, uh, you know, the Unabomber. Like, it just doesn't make sense, you yeah. know? Um, like, like those, those are the theories where I'm like, come on, w- watch the same darn show, kids. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the theories that I like are just a really, really dumb, like, or just like outlandish ones. Like there was like some crazy theory where someone was like, Oh, before we knew Stan's backstory, like someone's backstory was like, Stan was actually Freddy from the Scooby-Doo gang and he'd grown super old. <laughs> like I like theories where people are like, Oh, different parents are actually uh, or like Dipper grows up to be Mulder, like uh, like that's why we only know his nickname Dipper because his real name is Fox and Pines is a uh, like a protective uh, CIA gives him a new name after the events of Gravity Falls in protective custody. That's, that's how he becomes Fox Mulder and and Mabel's the sister that gets abducted by aliens. That's that's Mulder's origin story. Like I love stuff like that. That's like intentionally ridiculous. You yeah, know? yeah. So the last few episodes have been setting a setting up weird Mageddon and. Mm. I'm hesitant to ask, but is this, we're not already at the end of Gravity Falls, are we? I mean, I, I can't, like, the one thing I can't talk about is, like, what what is next, what is or isn't next. Like, yeah. um, that's that's the one area of discussion I, I can't approach. Um, but, you know, Weird Mageddon is a massive, uh, multi-part, sort of essentially mini-movie um, that, that rounds out and finishes season two. Um, and is only going to get weirder and weirder as it progresses. <laughs> Excellent. So Excellent. If you could combine any other property with Gravity Falls for an epic crossover, what would it be? Ooh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I have a weird, sick imagination. Like, if I could combine any property with Gravity Falls, like, I would make it so that, like, Dipper and Mabel like find a spell book in uh you know deep in some sort of old library um that they misread and it takes them into a live action episode of family matters from the 90s and they are animated <laughs> and it's like it's just utter horror to them they don't know what's going on and it's like you take an actual episode of that show and you edit them around the plot somehow and like you bring back the cast and you make it this weird nightmare where they ruin the world of family matters somehow. Like <laughs> if I could do any crossover, I would do like the most confusing, weird, stupid one I could think of. Um, like that no one asked for. <laughs> um, uh, but like, I mean, if it was like a real world, like if it was like a real world thing and like an actual currently running series that could like plausibly interact with Gravity Falls, I mean like, the only show that's out there that has sort of a, a crossover vibe with it to me is like, I'm good friends with Justin Roiland who does Rick and Morty. And we've, we've already secretly hidden crossover stuff between our two shows. Um, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but in one of our episodes, uh, Society of the Blind Eye, Grunkle Stan has a, a, a mug with a question mark on it, a, a ballpoint pen and a notepad. And he's looking at the big portal he's building in his basement. And there's a surge of energy and the notepad, ballpoint pen, and mug all get sucked into his portal. Um, and there's an episode of Rick and Morty, uh, I think called Council of Ricks, where there's a big fight involving multiple characters with portal guns, and there's portals left and right. And in one of those portals in the background, we see a ballpoint pen, mug, um, <laughs> and a pad of paper fly out. So nice. a, a prop did fly into a portal in my show and fly out of a portal into his show. And that That's is true. canon. Uh, um, That's you know, fantastic. Both of our shows involve uh sci-fi um uh irresponsible uncle type characters and magic portals so 
Like, um, even though you'll never, even though you'll never see a Disney property and an adult swim property on the same time <laughs> slot, um, you know, in a, in a fantasy world where I could, I could have any characters interact. I'd love to see Gretel Stan and Rick Sanchez hang out together. That's fantastic. Um, I'm wondering what you can tell us about the DuckTales reboot. <laughs> I like that question. Um, I don't know what I'm allowed to tell you about the DuckTales reboot. Um, I, I think Disney has confirmed that they are making a DuckTales reboot. Um, I mean, I can tell you that, uh, you know, it, it shouldn't be ob- it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that Gravity Falls has some inspiration um, with the original DuckTales. You know, I mean, there's a show about a couple plucky young kids with a sort of insane older figure in a world with, uh, you know, magic and mystery um, and uh, rewriting history, et cetera. You guys know the <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Um, like, uh, there's definitely, there, there's, there's definitely a, uh, when we did the Gravity Falls theme song, like, I remember saying to my, you know, the, the artist that I was with, I was like, since the 90s, I haven't seen a theme song that promised as much as the DuckTales theme song does. You know what I mean? Like, it oh, yeah. really overpromises. It's like, you're going to have race cars, lasers, and aeroplanes. <laughs> so, like, when we did our Gravity Falls theme song, like, we wanted it to have that spirit of just, like, showing so much cool stuff and um, being catchy and fast-paced and all that. Um, so, you know, I mean, I-, I was inspired by DuckTales. What the new DuckTales will be inspired by, uh, who knows? Um, I'm, I'm as curious as, as you guys are. Curious evasion, I think I saw there. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't tell you more than that. <laughs> um, I know uh, we're running up against time and you've got to get going, um, but I'm just curious, are there any other shows that you're watching right now that you're really digging? Um, shows that I'm watching, um, I really love Nathan For You. It's back. I don't know if you guys watch Nathan For You. It has nothing to do with Gravity Falls. It's a live action show on Comedy Central about a guy who uh, completely ruined small businesses with his terrible ideas. Um, <laughs> it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Um, I highly recommend to every human on earth to watch Nathan for you. Um, I also am a fan of, as I said, uh, Rick and Morty. Um, and uh, I've, I've always liked Adventure Time. But one of the problems with making cartoons is you're so darn busy, you often don't have yeah. time to watch others. So there's so much good TV I need to catch up on. Yeah, you and me both. And I have a lot more time than you do. So. <laughs> so much for taking the time today this has been fantastic oh yeah no absolutely thanks so much for calling me and i hope uh, that i gave some insight aside from my evasion about ducktail <laughs> you gave fantastic insight well that's it for this week on the great big beautiful podcast the tuesday episode and that was such a fun interview um you know we we talk to these people and we always say that it's the best for me, this one, this one was just fun, you know, talking yeah. to Alex. He just has a great attitude about, about his, you know, creative endeavors and his working on the show. And something I took really funny and crazy is what he said. He didn't have a job. He just came out of college and was in animation. That's just, you know, mind blowing to me that someone can just come out and do what they want to do. Yeah. It's, that's, that's, most people can't do that and they can't say that, you know, they, they have to, they put in the miles somewhere else before they catch their break or, you know, they, they, they slog through lots of stuff that they don't really enjoy doing in order to, you know, be at the right place at the right time. Um, and so, yeah, that was fascinating to hear that, you know, he, I mean, he went to Cal arts, which is where a lot of, a lot of Disney uh, animators and directors and, and, and um, just not just Disney, but great animators. It, it's sort of a breeding ground for, for animation superstars. Right. Um, and uh, it's 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 great to hear that you know he went there and just sort of 
uh, fell right into it. And he actually, the, the way that Gravity Falls came about, I believe, I'm not making this up, is that he made a uh, student film while at CalArts that sort of caught the attention of somebody over Disney. And they called him in to, to pitch a show based around that, you know, experimental student film. And what he pitched eventually became Gravity Falls. They gave him a show based on that. Right. And I love, love, love that we got him, uh, that, that we hit him with the DuckTales question. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, because that's what we do. <laughs> yeah, the DuckTales thing, you know, it's been more or less officially announced that it's in development. Um, but beyond that, there's been no details to speak of. Right. Um, I have a source who confirmed to me that um, Alex... In a parking garage in D.C. In a, in deep throat. Um, yeah, I have a source who confirmed that Alex was involved um, with the reboot, uh, and he may no longer be, which is why he was a little bit more evasive than he may have been otherwise to that question. Um, it is coming, but I have heard mixed um, messages about how soon it's coming. Um, I've heard... So I've heard one one source has said it's been delayed. Um, not sure exactly why, um, but I'm sure uh, if there are the reasons. But we'll see it eventually, I'm sure. Um, but you know, Ducktales is one of those things. I have such strong fond memories. I want it, I want it to get done right if they're going to do it again. And you better believe we'll be talking about it if it happens. Because that's oh, I'm you better <laughs> believe it. And I'm going to be pushing for a Darkwing Duck reboot. Crossing my fingers. Excellent. <laughs> Give Tad. I'd be on board with that. Perfect. Thank you for stopping by another week. You guys are awesome. You need to leave reviews though. No. Holding <laughs> the fans. I'm going to come on. You guys, guys are awesome, but now I'm going to threaten you. Are you really are you really out there? No. Um we're doing a contest right now for an awesome Star Wars book. If you leave a review, Jamie might be able to tell it. We're mentioning it every week, so maybe Jamie you can say it again. Uh, in a few more weeks, we're going to air the episode with Ian Desher, who wrote the Star uh, Shakespeare Star Wars books, all six of them. Um, and if you all you got to do is leave a an iTunes review, and you're in the running to win a copy of The Phantom of Menace. Perfect. And you can reach us uh, on Twitter at the GBB Podcast, also on Facebook, facebook.com slash the GBB Podcast. And as always, send a tweet to Alex Hirsch. Let him know you liked him on our show. Let us know if you liked him on our show. And you can find me at 140 Justin C and Jamie. You can find me at the Roarbots, and you can call also call the show on um, by phone by Skype, however you want to dial. But 301-825-5653. And if you leave a cool message, we will probably put it on air. I'm just gonna, yeah, if you leave, if all that you there. do, if you leave a message and just say, "Hey, this is Joe Schmo, and you're listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast," yeah. you might you might be on a show opener. You will get on it. I guarantee it. <laughs> All right, guys, have a great week. Have a good one. Thank you for listening. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.